some news today, and I'm sure some of you already know that, but Brother Khan is needing our prayers. Can we just bow our heads and reach the Lord and pray for him today? Lord, we know, God, you are our healer. You are our Jehovah Rophi. Whenever we need you, God, you're there for us. We ask you, Lord, that you touch our brother. Help him, Lord, today. Touch his body, God, that these bodies that we are fearfully made, that you made them, Lord. You know everything about us. Help us, God, today. Give us peace and rest. Help Sister Con and the family. In thy name we pray. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Sometimes we hear things and find out things, and it kind of just overrides us, which is a part of this lesson that we're going to look into is I'll get way ahead of myself here, but our brain can only handle one thought at a time. And um, it's important that you, when I come to church, it's important that I throw everything off because I want to hear from God. And not necessarily, not not necessarily uh, in, in a um, um, corporate level, but I'm here for myself first. I love shaking your hand, I love hugging your neck and praising the Lord and talking and stuff, but I need to hear from God. We all do, amen, and I'm glad I know where to go, and I need more. There's an altar when the altar call happens that I um, get from God, because if you don't know now, this country needs him, and I'm, I'm kind of concerned about our, our neighbor to the north. All this stuff that's going on. So, praise God. <clears throat> um, uh, scriptures, but we're going to look into today. Luke, the sixth chapter, for three verses, 13 through 16, and then we can be seated, and then we'll see what happens today. Praise God. It's exciting to live for the Lord. <laughs> it's rough when you try to live without God. People don't realize how bad it can get, and they just keep fooling themselves, don't they? Um, they just keep uh, building their minds up with stuff and occupying their, their minds so they don't have to think about God. But you know what? My Bible tells me he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And the more you think about him, the better life is. Amen? Luke, the sixth chapter, verses 13 through 16 when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. Of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter. Andrew, his brother. James and John. Philip and Bartholomew. Matthew and Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus. And Simon called Zelotes. And Judas, the brother of James. And, of course, Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Ooh. Yeah, boo. 
we're going to talk a little bit about being called, being cultivated, and being committed. Lord bless you. you may be seated. Being called, being cultivated, being committed. There's a little difference when some people think that they're called. A lot of people, first of all, think, oh, I'm called, but in the old days, and I don't want to talk about how old I am, but people, when they say they're called, they think you're a preacher with the Bible behind the pulpit in a church or a missionary going to a mission field somewhere. Let's throw, let's keep that, that's okay, but let's just throw most of that out because everybody's called. That's what we're talking about today, amen? But, Brother Locke, I really don't, you know, yes, you do, you have a calling. Yes, you do, you have a ministry. And if you don't think that you have a calling, you try to get rid of it. You just try to get rid of it. You, caught, you keep coming to the house of God and you try not to do anything and you see how difficult it is because God still deals with your heart about your calling. So when you're called, the word it means to summon with a loud voice, to command or to request to come. Or here it also means to communicate. It's important that we hear from God, amen? Especially today and to our circumstances that we live, that we need to hear what God wants to tell the church. And if you want to do yourself a favor, you need to find a place, you need to get to a church, you need to find a Let's kind of just throw that statement out too. You need to find a place in God by yourself on a daily basis that you can hear from him. Unhindered. And that's probably another word that we're going to uh, um, dance around today is the hindrances that come with our lifestyles. That comes into the cultivated part of, of our lesson today. But it's important that we hear from God. It's important that we pray for our leaders. It's important that uh, we uphold everybody that we can because why? Uh, we all have separate talents. We all have separate callings. There are people that God uses the most. And we read about these disciples that Jesus called unto them, that they had specific things that he wanted them to do, but he was establishing a church so that God may have a specific thing that you want to do. And the only way you're going to find that out is in prayer. The only way you're going to find that out is in church attendance. The only way you're going to find that out of what God wants to do is to get as close to God as you possibly can. He will tell you what he wants you to do. He'll come to your aid. He'll let you know what he wants you to do. But if you're, if you're so preoccupied with other things in your life that we think so important, God doesn't have a chance because you want to let him have a chance at you. Huh. Revelation says we have to hear what the Spirit says to the church. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13 goes like this, and he said, Go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, 
and after the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. Surely he'd show up sometime. The Lord was not in the fire. All this stuff that's gone on, and we think that sometimes if there's big disaster that um, we do something on a large scale and that we fall in line and, and uh, get into the group that's paying attention to what God's doing on a large scale and um, it, it doesn't trickle down to your very independent heart and your own personal relationship with God because why we're in a group setting. After the earthquake, the fire. It wasn't even in that. And after the fire, verse 12 says, there was a still, small voice. It was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out, stood in the entering of the cave. Behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? So there is a calling. There is a feeling in your soul. There is a feeling and a touch of heart. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know what I'm getting at here today? When you come into the presence of God, there's a touch that's on your life. There's a touch in your soul. And I know that we don't go a lot by about feelings and stuff, but we got to start somewhere, don't we? God calls people to him. He moves on your life. He moves in your heart. He'll bring tears to your eyes. He'll bring that thought to your head. And you've got to understand that it's God that's calling you to do something. The best thing that I can do in my life and the best thing that you can do as together is we don't need to shun that off. We don't need to put that aside. We need to move closer to God, especially now. After there's a calling, there's a thing that's called a response. You have got to respond to God's calling properly. We can respond it to it in our own way and say, I don't really want to be bothered with that today. I don't have time to be bothered with that today. I don't feel like that. I feel like I need my rest. I don't want to go do something else. But that's not the response that God's looking for. He's not looking for selfishness to come into the play. That's not a place for the kingdom of God to be selfish. The place for the kingdom of God is to happen to say, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? The proper response is, oh, Lord, I, here's your servant. What is it that you want me to do? And when you go that far and take that step, and don't be fearful because the devil will tell you that that's not what you want to do. He'll put things into your thought, into your mind that you're not worthy of going any further with God. He'll say that you don't even belong in the church. He said it's gonna not going to be any good. You've got too much on your plate already. There's no sense talking about praying even more. There's no sense in talking about fasting or anything like that. Let the elders, let other people take care of it. I'm here to tell you when God calls you, I've got to respond respond the right way and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do today? Every day it's that way. Why? Because we've got a lot of responsibilities. To much is given, much is required. You think God's just going to bless your life and give you the Holy Ghost and fill you up and save you out of this uh, sin-sick world and, and create you and put you on the road to, to heaven and not expect anything to be done about it? And so I'm saved. I can sit, and I don't have to do anything. Let them find their own salvation. 
can do that. And yet what's crazy is these commercials about the dogs and the animals that are so uh, uh, neglected and they're so put out and then everybody just flocks. They start dialing and giving their money all to save a dog. And they won't do anything about saving a soul. I don't understand it. It's a trick of the devil, and that's the way that society is today. That's our culture that we live in. And we've got to be bold enough to, to, to overcome all of that. I hope I'm not stepping on too many toes today. But sometimes, sometimes, Brother Bruce, it's what do we preach about? What do we teach about? How do we get to these people? How do we move them? How, how does things happen? I was pleased yesterday morning. I, I counted us all down there. There's at least 50 of us down there. What, what good was that? What, what good did that do? I'll tell you what that did. That got the attention of the devil again. He said, you know what? These church people got to learn a lesson. You know what's going to happen is when we unify together, he starts shaking. That's what happens. So I do have to I do have to understand there's a calling. I do have to understand that I have to respond properly. And I do have a choice. Brother Locke, I made that choice back in 1971. You make that choice every day. Every day you make the choice. Why? Because we're living every day. Every day you get to choose. Every day you're faced with it. Do I serve Raj or do I serve the Lord? Do I do what Raj wants or do I do what the Lord wants? Matthew 9 and 9 says this. And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him two words, two words, got that man's soul, follow me. I would have loved to have been standing beside him, and I would have loved to have seen the reaction on Matthew's face because he was a publican, tax collector. The people hated him, totally despised these people. And yet Jesus went up and chose him to be one of his apostles. And all he did is say, follow me. And what was Matthew's response? He dropped everything. First of all, he probably melted. Standing at all, looking in the face of Jesus and having him call right to me. Having him, having him pick me right out of everybody and say, you. It's not... It wasn't a sign dressed like Uncle Sam with his finger pointing. He just went up and said, follow me. How many's ever felt that in the spirit of God? How many's ever got into the presence of God and just started weeping and God just starts pulling on your heart? All these thoughts start coming in and everything starts, boy, you know, everything starts making a lot of sense, doesn't it? Ha, follow me. Luke 5, 1 to 11, bear with me as I read this. It came to pass that the people, we're talking about responses, aren't we? People pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stirred by the lake of Gennesaret 
he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was happened to be Simon's. Just so happened to be, just so happened to be Simon's. You're telling me that God just accidentally picked this boat? I don't think so. You're telling me that God just accidentally got you here today? I don't think so. You're telling me that all the stuff that's happened this week just accidentally happened? Nothing happens just by accident. There's a purpose in everything. That's why there's a purpose in everything that happens in your life. You may not like it, but you know what? You've got to understand that God's hand is involved in it and that when we get closer to God, we'll understand it all. It just so happened this happened to be Simon Peter's boat. And he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out again into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Can you imagine Simon just saying, well, that's my boat. You know, I better stay with it because I don't want you to steal my boat. And then he says, go drop your nets down again. And he, his eyes get really big. So you crazy? What are you talking about? Simon answered, said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing. In all of those two statements, <clears throat> we've toiled all night, we've taken nothing. I don't think he had to explain everything to Jesus and to say, look, we know what we're talking about here. We've been doing this for years. We're what they call professional fishermen. We're pros. We know what to, you, to do. We know what to bait. We know, we know how to do all of this. We've been doing this all night long. Now you're telling us to go back out and do what we've been doing all night long. <laughs> you know what the difference is? The difference is there's no voice command from the Lord. The difference is there's no moving of God. <sighs> Nothing really happens until God moves, does it? How many want the Lord to move? Lord, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what's on my list. It doesn't matter what the, the, the day is. I want you to move. I need to get my stuff out of the way, and I need you to move as soon as you can, Lord. And we need to allow him to move. That's why worship is so important. Why do you think these people want to shut the churches down? Why do you think that this evil stuff and all this COVID things and these emergency things and this these uh, martial law, why do you think that's all happening? It's because the devil hates the church and he hates us to worship. He wants to do his best to destroy it. I ain't going to let it happen. We ain't going to let it happen. <laughs> Just not going to happen. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their nets broke. And they beckoned to the other partners, hey, guys, we need some help over here. There's another ship that they should come and help them, that they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. We're talking about response here. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. All that statement was, I know who you are and what you've just done. And you are a mighty God. And we, we really, 
aren't worthy of having you in our boat. But you know what? The Bible tells me that he loves me. If you don't get anything else today, understand this. God loves you. And that there's nothing that can separate the love of God from us. There's no devil. There's no law. There's no person making something. There's no pandemic. There's no, co- there's no disease. There's no nothing that can separate the love of God to us. This is why I worship. This is why I take time out and say, Lord, come on. I've got to hurry. I'm, I'm way behind here. So we are called, especially now. The church is not intended to be isolationist. Satan is doing his best to destroy religion. He'll try to get you alone. He'll try to keep you isolated. He'll try to destroy your calling and your relationship with God. And he hates for us to worship. He hates for us to pray. He hates for us to evangelize. He hates for us to testify. He hates for us to share the goodness of God. This is why corporate prayer, it is a calling. When unity happens among the apostolic believers, it breaks the devil's back. He doesn't want a prayer meeting. He doesn't want a prayer walk. He doesn't want anything. He wants us to be occupied with ourselves and isolated. This is why it says close the churches. This is why you can only have 50% capacity. This is why you got to Zoom. You got to get online. You got to see church in your pajamas with your slippers on eating cornflakes. That's not church. That's entertainment. Ha. The anointing breaks every yoke. And I'm here to tell you that God's going to anoint us even more. And it's not left to just the preachers. It's not left to just the preachers and the, and the, 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 the teachers and all that. All of us get anointed with God. All of us get even more impacted with God. Wouldn't we choose to do the things? Yes, I am called. Next, what we're going to look in real quickly is cultivated. Please bear with me as I go through this. Cultivated means prepared. It's used for raising crops. Cultivated means it's the soil is tilled. It's produced and improved by cultivation to be plant, to be planted. It also can mean educated. It also can mean refined. So when I'm cultivated in God, he educates me even more. I want God to plow my field. I want God to get his plow out and plow up my heart. I want God to pull out the thorns and the weeds and the stones and all the stuff that will rob me. I need God, but you know what? i got to do some stuff on my part. Luke 8, 4 through 18, bear with me as I read this. When much people were gathered together, we were come to out of the, every city, and he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside. Some was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon the rocks, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and it choked it out. And then others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. 
If there's one thing that I want to do, I'll take my time and get ready and come to church, and I can go through these doors and sit. But you know what? I've got ears. I've got to listen to what God's going to tell me today. I've got a mind. I've got to let God speak to my mind today. I've got a soul. I've got to let God speak to my soul today. He that hath an ear, let him hear what God's going to say. He's going to give you a word today, and I'm excited about what God's going to store for us. Yeah. Verse 9, his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? We don't understand. He said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others the parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. I just don't get it. I don't know what they're talking about. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Understood? That's the word of God. It can come across in a song. It can come across in worship. It can come across in teaching. It can come across in preaching. It can come across when you're sitting there in your rocking chair every morning and open it up. It's the word of God. And it's up to you to open your heart and open your mind to let God speak to you. Because now is the time. It's not later. It's not we had the best revival and the best churches in the past. Now's the time that we all look to God. Now's the time that we open ourselves up even more because our best services are ahead of us. The best revivals are ahead of us. He didn't leave us this far just to just drop us off and say, you guys tend for yourself. God wants you. God called you. My response is, Lord, open my heart. I've got to do my job. Those by the wayside are those that hear. Then comes the devil and he takes it away. Takes the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. Everybody's understood with the wayside. Your heart is hardened. You can't get through. Why? Because you can only think one thought at a time. And if I'm thinking about lunch, I'm not thinking about God. If I'm thinking about worrying about my job, I'm not thinking about God. If I'm thinking about my car's not going to start when I go out there, I'm not thinking about God. It's time to put all that stuff aside. Why? You've come into the presence of Almighty God. He's got a word for you. I've got to let it get in my mind. I've got to think about God, and I've got to have church. I've got to think about worshiping. I've got to think about, Lord, it's another chance to worship. I've got an opportunity to pour my heart out in your presence, and I need your anointing on my life every day. So how can I get there if I do nothing about it? Wayside. (laughs) They on the rock, which when they hear, receives the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. Oh, I got it. I went to church. I worshiped a little bit. But Monday, when I get home from church, something's always this going on, and Monday's this. And, you know, I can't, you, you can't survive Sunday morning to Sunday morning. <sighs> Come on, Raj. Can't you be happy and joyful? You know what? We, that's fine. But you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
when I understand what he's done, it's joyful that I can worship God. Verse 14, they that fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth. They're choked with cares and riches, pleasures of the life, and they bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in the honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel and put it under a bed, but seeth it on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. Neither anything hid shall not be known and come abroad. Here's what I want to get. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. Get your spiritual Q-tip and clean out your spiritual ear. Oh, we don't use those. They just pack all the wax in there. However you choose, clean out your spiritual ear. Take heed, therefore, how you hear and what you do in response to the presence of God. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which seemeth to have. I'm hurry. So the parable of the soils is actually the soil is your heart. You understand that? The wayside, the stony heart, the weedy heart, the fertile heart. Now listen to a good farmer. A good farmer cleans out the field and anything that would hinder his seed from producing his crop. A good farmer takes out the stones. A good farmer, how many's ever done that? I know you have the flower bed and stuff. Oh, we just go buy more soil. It doesn't matter. The soil is your heart. There's stuff in there that will keep the plant from survival. No matter how much you water it, no matter how much the sun's on it, if there's stones, if there's stuff in there, if there's weeds, your, your, your seed doesn't have a chance. So why would anyone not want what God has for them, especially now? Believe that he is, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Matthew 18, 3 and 4, he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What are you talking about, Raj? Follow me for a minute. Jesus said you've got to become as a little child. Do you know how much stuff we've accumulated in our lives throughout the years? When I was a kid, we could play in the dirt with our truck, with our Tonka toys, until the cows came home, and it, it was joyful. We didn't have to worry about this. We didn't have stress. We didn't have responsibilities. You know, isn't that great? The thing about a child is it's so trusting. So I have to, in my mind and in my life, put out all of this stuff and trust God. 
There's a fellow I heard this a couple weeks ago. His name was Andrew Claven. He authored a book called The Truth and Beauty. And he, being a Jewish guy, uh, he said, well, you have to become as a child. We have to trust. We have to have faith. We have to be innocent. And we have to be genuine. And we have to see he, this book that he wrote about is how he, they see God through poetry and nature. It's amazing. Because when you stop all of this stuff and you just take some time and you get away and you just look and look at the stars, look at the moon, look at what God's done, look at God's created things without all the noise. My cell phone. Without all the noise. It's amazing that you become as a little child again because when we grow old and we, we get educated and we research and get more informed, that all of that is just poison and adds more weight and more stuff that we have to deal with. So when you, especially nowadays, when we have all of this stuff to deal with, it's so difficult for us sometimes to clear our mind to let God be God in our lives. Am I confusing anybody? Simple things. Just be as a child. I'm so blessed that our kids have been in the church and raised in the church, and they're church kids. They'll, they'll go to any one of you. And, and Valor, he's, he's getting brave that he'll just come up and, you know, he'll want you to pick him up and stuff like that. It's, they're, children are trusting like that. This is why one of the most evil satanic things can happen is when people start messing with kids. I don't care what age they are through the schools and stuff like that. This is why I know God's not done with any of this stuff. And the devil, he knows he has just a little time. So he's doing the best that he can to make it the worst for a lot of people. And we may not be driving a truck in Canada, but you know what? When he comes up against us, he comes up not just against us, but he comes up against God. And all that God has and all that God stands for. Why? Because he's my daddy and I'm his kid. And you don't mess with his kids. I saw a documentary a few months ago called The Social Dilemma. If you ever get a chance, you should do that. It talks about how high tech controls people through social media. They pitch things to you. They listen to you. I, I did not believe that years ago, and I was talking to somebody about cruises. And you know what? In the next minute, there was an advertisement on my phone about a cruise. I said, that's just not, that's just not right. So then I talked and learned about metaverse and about virtual reality and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy that mankind has created such a media and such a high-tech universe that, that we get so captivated with it that we don't give God a chance in our lives. And that's exactly what he wants. He wants to create us to be so busy that he robs us of our childhood. 
that we don't take time out for God like we used to. That we don't push things aside and go outside tonight and look at the moon and the stars and thank God for what he's made. Raj, you are a mess today. I'm just getting started. I also started reading another book, and I'm not finished. It's called Stolen Focus by a guy named Johan Hari. The subtitle is Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again. Here's a point. How many, how many times does the average person touch their cell phone a day? Anybody got a number? How many times does somebody touch their cell phone a day? 2,617 times. What? So when I send you a text, A and D, a little word, whatever, I touch it four or five times and there it goes. This is how this is all up planned and orchestrated out. When, when something happens in the middle of the night, sometimes you, you reach, the first thing you reach for is, where's my phone? What? So much information travels so fast that they say it's like drinking from a pro, the proverbial fire hose. There's just so much information out there. How much information's out there? I'll give you an idea. Back when I was a kid, you could read a newspaper in a day, maybe two. After the computer <coughs> and the Internet came along in 1986, it was equivalent of information as us reading 40 newspapers a day. So much information's out there. In 2007, these scientists uh, studied, said that it's about now, 2007, as equivalent of reading 174 newspapers a day. That's how much information is out there. What does that have to do with me and my cell phone? Well, here it is, is we go so quickly and switch so much to so much information and stuff that we, it, it, we can't grasp it all. There's nothing like sitting down and putting everything aside and start thinking deeply about a certain thing that you're studying. Instead of switching all over the place. <laughs> There's nothing like concentrating on the voice of God and his word. Again, scientists studied at MIT said that our brains are designed only to focus on one thought at a time. You see how we're tricked and how we're so needed? I don't do Facebook. I don't care what you had for lunch. I don't care. I don't care if you change your profile picture. I really don't care about your vacation. You have your great vacation. I don't want to see the pictures. I'll see them later when I have time. You see how we're so brought up? And here's the, here's the big thing is all of us are so busy sometimes that we really don't know what's going on on the other side. And I think they put it all together. Look over here. A shiny object. Roger Mast. 
Praise God. I'll be done here. <clears throat> the last thing we want to talk about is committed. When we are committed, we are bound and obligated to a person or a thing, a pledge or assurance or devoted. 2 Timothy 1 and 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm committed to you, Lord. Our consumer culture says, well, I need to find a church that what fits me the best. What can I get out of this? How my, I and my family can meet these needs and stuff like that. It's not find a church that suits me based on what I can get out of it, not where God wants me and what I can give to advance the kingdom of God. We have to be so committed that it's not about us. It's not about my time. It's not about my vacation. It's not about my, my, my Facebook stuff. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about what God wants and the people that need to hear from God. It's about revival. It's about missionaries. It's about testimonies. It's about doing things that God wants. And all in all, if you stand with me, I thought about this. The things that we have to overcome. It's just crazy that we have to overcome our own selves. Azusa Street had a tremendous revival in 1906. It lasted for nine years. They had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Their little church was 30 by 60, which is like half of this section long. That's all, That's all they had. And they had as much as 1,500 people would show up on the weekend. Why? Because God was in that place. The ground floor was a stable. Let me paint you this picture for a minute. The ground floor was a stable where they kept horses and stuff. You know what a stable smelled like? And that's the ground floor. Then you had to go up to the sanctuary part where it wasn't very lit very well. There was no air conditioning. There was just single light bulbs hanging down that had the old-fashioned lights. You can buy them now and you want it. Oh, it looks great. But you know what? That's all they had. They had these old wooden benches and boxes. That's where the revival happened. Can you imagine coming out on the stable stench of manure? They had to overcome all this stuff. And we don't even think that sometimes, well, I think it's going to rain. I'm going to stay home. But I do have my Internet hooked up, and I can watch it online. Help us, God, get rid of this stuff. Help us pull the stones out of our soil. Help us pull these weeds out because you've got a revival coming. You've got to get to our hearts, and I've got to let them do it. They did have revival for nine years, and it tore the place up. Why? Because they overcame all of that stuff. And look what we have today. Please be on your guard, and I hope I've helped you to understand that you're called. You've got to let God cultivate your heart, and you are the owner of your field. You've got to let God into your heart, and then you've got to be committed to him, and things will get a whole lot better. I'm looking for revival, aren't you? God's going to do something for us today. The bishop's got a word today for you. I want to stick around and I want to hear it. I want my ears to hear it because it's specifically for each one of us.
in the name of Jesus. Let's see. More love, more power, more of you in my life. More love, more power, more of you Come on, sing it as a prayer. more of you. Give us more of you. It all starts with how you empty yourself. You can't come in if you're full of stuff. Throw it all out. Get rid of it. It starts today. It starts right now as we're going to transition into prayer. And we'll see you back at 11 to worship the Lord. Lord bless you today.